Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Welcome to Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode 25, which is part two on age and aging and are you too old? And the answer is no, Uh, you're not too old until you're dead. And even then, I'm sure God negotiates. That's a line from Ever After. It was quite formative in my youth. I always think it's funny when I say things like in my youth, because I am 40. And I know that when I'm 70, I'm going to look back and be like, oh, honey, that's so cute. Uh, But it still feels that way because I feel the experience of the years that I've had. And I claim them. Like, I claim that shit. (laughs) So having only 40 years under my belt, there's a lot that I can't tell you because I haven't experienced it yet. But having 40 years under my belt, I can tell you I am way better than I was 20 years ago. I am more compassionate. Um, I am a lot wiser And probably most importantly, I know myself so much better than I did when I was very young. And I got some additional questions after uh, Are You Too Old? Part 1 came out. And I wanted to address some of those in this second episode. And one was from an aspiring young artist who is just like really um, timid of the ageism that exists in performance companies and uh, she's asking me, am, is it rampant? Like, am I overexpecting it? I'm afraid about how much ageism there is. And I think that the answer to that is that, yeah, we do overexpect it. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I'm sure it is. But thinking back on what's been a solidly lengthy career for me, I can't say that I have experienced ageism uh, also, I haven't been an old person, so uh, I don't know how that's going to keep turning out and churning out, but from the experience that I've had, I, I haven't seen it. I have seen older performers respected and revered and like spoken to with reverence and gravity, which they well deserved. And again, I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't exist. I'm sure that it does exist, but before we let something affect us, can we just stop for a second and ask ourselves, like, is this based on evidence? Or am I telling myself a story? If it's based on evidence, you have your answer. If it is a story that you're telling yourself, then it's probably gremlin based, which is just kind of an educated guess at best. Uh, And the object of that educated guess is to keep you from doing anything. Because if you don't do anything, then you can't do anything unexpected and your ego and your nervous system get to remain steady. And that's what your nervous system wants. Your nervous system wants to stay safe. And that's not what a lot of us want. Like we want cool stuff to happen in our lives and, and we want to do things that light us up and that feel good and fulfilling and exciting. And uh, the nervous system doesn't always like that. And this may sound oversimplistic, but like, if it's not happening to you, don't worry about it. Um, That's not meant to be taken as like a worldview, by the way. I'm just saying like in your career, as you're trying to make choices, uh, like, should I do this or should I do that? Um, If you haven't experienced evidence of the thing, then it's probably just a story that's trying to hold you back. So you should just do the thing that you want to do. 
and, and see what the answer is based on your lived experience. This next one is uh, tender. Okay. What do we do when our body is no longer able to perform because of age or injury? Woof. There's no one answer to that question, obviously, but I think that uh, it would do us all a disservice not to take this moment to reckon with the fact that the time we have here is finite. Like, we are not going to stay able-bodied forever. Like, basically, the only thing guaranteed is that you're going to die. I'm not trying to give you an existential crisis. I'm just saying facts. We all know it. We all know this to be a fact. We are totally going to die. And the time that we have is limited. And it's not that I want you to worry about what's going to happen like when you're no longer able-bodied enough because of age or injury or infirmity um, to do the discipline that you love. I say this to you so that you will stop waiting around to do the thing that you want to do with your body. I was uh, I was complaining to my dad the other day. Um, I was having these like weird muscle spasms in my neck because of like a, a chronic posture condition. Uh, and, you know, I was just bitching. And he was like, well, Rachel, it doesn't get better. <laughs> it's like, damn, did you have to? That's rude. How dare you speak the truth to me? I don't like it. Uh, and it's not like necessarily true. Like you can. I, I've definitely known people that are way healthier and more vital and feel a lot better in their 50s than they did in their 20s. I think you know what I'm talking about. But if you look at it on a very broad timeline, yeah, there is there is a downward slope. And that means that we have identified our homework, right? To use a phrase from uh, Dr. Shaw and Tate Coldfield, my favorite. Hey, what's up, maestro? And, you know, we're, when we're kids, someone takes care of us, hopefully. And when we're young people, hopefully we still have, like, the support of adults around us to take care of us. And then we kind of take care of ourselves, which means we feed ourselves when we think of it and sleep maybe sometimes. Eventually, we need to learn how to take care of the meat suit. Like, it, it is where you live. And like Daddy said, it doesn't necessarily just continue to get better. You know, it, it kind of slopes in the other direction and it doesn't have to slope sharply. Like there is tons of stuff that you can do to remain active and vital and like being able to use your body to a great extent for a very long time. The oldest performer I ever saw do aerial was 75. Also, she was singing while performing on trapeze. Uh, the oldest person that I've ever had in the Audacity Project was in her 60s. After the Audacity Project, she went on to achieve her life's dream. It was incredible. I'm so happy that she shared it with me as well afterwards. Life is long, y'all. Like, yeah, it goes by in the blink of an eye. People will tell you, and I'm sure that they're correct, but also life is long. Um, I want to tell you another story about my daddy. Uh, I was living at, at his house uh, in in uh, Louisiana, and I was saving up money to move to San Francisco so that I could learn how to be an aerialist. And uh, I, you know, I was in love with man flesh, and man flesh lived on the other side of the country. And I was so angsty about this because he wasn't getting out of the Navy, he was in the service uh, for another five years. And I was like, Oh, dad, like the man I love, he's in the service, and he's not going to be free for five years. And it just seemed like an eternity. 
And he just looked at me and he was like, Rachel, five years is a drop in the bucket. Don't be silly. I never forgot it because I thought I was describing uh, a situation in which I had every right to freak out. He was like, five years is a drop in the bucket, Rachel. Don't be silly. And especially when people, um, because people view their future and they view something like kind of impossible and unreasonable, you know, like circus arts that they want to do with their lives. They're like, yeah, but it, it takes so long to get good. And I'm like this age, I'm like, yeah, but it's still going to take that amount of time if you don't. Like what, um, two, three years to achieve competency in something that is a lifelong goal is a drop in the bucket. That's a really roundabout way of answering a question without answering it. What do we do when our body's no longer able to perform because of age or injury? My guess is that long before that happens, you will want to do something else and your career will naturally morph into a direction that interests you further. And that's kind of a difficult uh, pill to swallow and the first time you have to swallow it, it's a jagged little pill. It's a bitter little pill. Like, uh, because you can feel so intensely passionate about something and you feel like you're never going to feel any differently about it. And then one day you do, you do feel differently about it. And you're like, I, I'm kind of bored. Like I don't, I'm not in love with this activity the way that I used to be. And that hurts, but it's also natural. Like maybe Maybe you did it already, and maybe you want to do something else. There's this line from uh, Frederico Garcia Lorca from a play called Blood Wedding that makes it sound like I read a lot of plays. I don't, but I did read that one. And this line says, when the blood chooses a path, it has to be followed. When the blood chooses a path, it has to be followed. And your blood is going to choose many paths and sometimes you don't always have a say over where it is that your interest and that your passion is going to come from. Sometimes it just chooses a path and you have to follow it, which is yet another reason that I urge people not to wait around. Like, what are, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? An answer to the question, like, what do we do when we can no longer do this thing? Um, I hope that you will trust yourself. I hope that you will have enough self-knowledge and faith in your own instincts to know when your blood chooses another path and to follow it. Because my guess is that your burning passion to do this will wear out long before your body does. As well, like there are lots of ways to participate in this discipline without full use of all of your limbs and extremities. There's, there's always a way to participate. Which brings me to the next question I got. How old are most performers when they stop performing? And there's no answer to that question. Like, I haven't done a study. I'm sure that you could find an average age or a median age, but that would just be a statistic. And a statistic is not a true story about a human being. It's a mathematical equation about lots of human beings that doesn't really point us to what's going to be right for us. And I referenced this uh, in part one. I'm going to reference it again. It's from Jenny Tuff's Patreon, uh, where she was like drops these wisdom bombs that are amazing. And she was talking about, you know, feeling that same fear when she was a younger performer. Like, like when does it end? Like, when, when do I stop? 
and then realizing now where she is that it's not that's not the reason that most people stop performing they stop performing because they did it already and they want to go do something else i think that's the case a lot more than we tell ourselves i think that the story we like to tell ourselves is this like really angsty epic heroic journey um that ends in tragedy and I, that is the case sometimes, but it's certainly not the norm. Interest doesn't last forever. Inspiration doesn't last forever. Passion doesn't last forever. It changes its object. Your blood changes paths. So while the sap is running high in the tree, like that's the time to go for it. Like when people ask me, when is the best time? What's the best life circumstance to be in to take the Audacity Project? The answer is always take it when you're excited about it. Do the thing you want to do while you still want to do it. Desire is a divine gift. I truly believe that. Desire is felt in the body. It's unbidden. Sometimes it's unwelcome. It's overwhelming. We didn't ask for it. We don't really know where it comes from. But true desire is a gift and a gift that needs to be honored in a timely fashion. Because sooner or later, it's going to likely choose another direction. And another question I got after part one, what do performers do to enhance the longevity of their career? And my answers are going to be super boring and you've heard them all a ton of times before. And the answers are prioritize sleep, drink lots of water, get adequate protein, condition, Put on as much muscle as you can. Muscle is the fountain of youth. And feed your body well. Like Educate yourself on nutrition. Don't groan and roll your eyes about food prep because you don't want to take the time and you, you don't like focusing on kitchen tasks, blah, 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 blah. Find a way. Find a way to get the proper food into your body. Find a way to get the water into your body. If you want to use your body to a great extent for as long as possible, this is not optional. We need this education, and education needs to be applied in order to mean anything. Other than that, get excellent training. Um, ask people who are old, who are still doing cool shit, how they are still doing that. Like, don't ask a 25-year-old what they're doing to stay in peak shape like, they're 25. Go ask someone who's 55 what they're doing to stay in peak shape. And because it would be irresponsible not to, I'm also going to say rest. Overtraining is frequently the cause of most injuries that I've seen. And I, I came from that OG circus culture, you know, train when you're sick, train when you have a fever, train when you're dead. Um, but it, it didn't lead to long careers in a lot of cases. It frequently leads to injury. And uh, if you just can learn the limits of your own body and to respect them and negotiate with them instead of trying to pound them into the ground, then you'll be able to use it for a lot longer. One of my favorite lines from a movie is from the movie Troy. Uh, don't remember when it came out. Not going to look it up. Uh, great movie. Love it. Beautiful fight scenes. Ex exquisitely choreographed and one of the lines in there is like uh the truth is that the gods envy us because we're mortal everything's more beautiful because we're doomed you will never be lovelier than you are now <laughs> thanks brad pitt 
And finally, I wanted to address this question from my friend Alec. Uh, he said, for us, ahem, older performers and coaches, how do you find it best to hold space for our young inspires while also coaching them on how best not to burn themselves and the jungle down? How can we be real with them about the time it takes when they're so on fire to do it now, but also not to stifle any of that passion? It's a great question. And hopefully when we're talking with a young person, that fire is going to burn uh, regardless of what you say. And if, if you try and stifle it, um, hopefully they'll go away from you and go be around some other kind of energy. So if you want to be a good steward to people who are younger than you and you're in the position of authority that is being a coach, which is a huge responsibility and a huge honor, you can teach them to be gentle with themselves. And, as you know, people are like, ah, oh, it doesn't work. It's, it's not working yet. And I'm like, I literally just taught you this five minutes ago. It's new. Why isn't it working yet? Because it's new. It takes time. It takes so much time and many iterations. Be gentle with yourself. But really, the thing that they're going to be watching is you. You will lead by example. And if you're talking to them and you hear them say something that you you know isn't going to end well uh, and they might not know, um, please say something, you know, and you can offer it without saying it because they may just do it anyway. You can offer like, may I offer you another perspective? Uh, I have a concern. I'd like to share it with you, you know, and just to be able to say, here's what I have learned in my experience and the thing that you are going to do could have poor repercussions for you. But coaching without an invitation doesn't work. So offering that without, you know, punching them in the face with it, like, can I offer you this perspective? I have a concern. Can I share it with you? I'd like to share something with you. And by reminding them that what they're doing is amazing. What they're doing is so brave and unreasonable and fucking cool. And it is a long game. This is a long game we are playing here. When I first started, I was so arrogant and I thought, I was like, I'll do this for two years and then I'll go do something else. Ha! <laughs> Funny. That's so cute. Uh, I had no idea what I was about to get myself into and I had no idea like the depths of which I was just going to fall so much in love and the passion that was nowhere near going to be dried out in two years. In fact, in two years, I had just barely reached a level of competence. But we don't know. We don't know because we haven't been there yet. So if you have been there, then you can share those things by invitation or by offering uh, to those that are, have, are coming after you. You know, you can, we can appoint them towards resources for uh, learning how to price your work. If, you know, in the case of, you know, not wanting to burn the jungle down and we can point them in resources for, uh, if you have this condition, then here's someone who specializes in that. Go read their content and see what they know. And also just like saying it the way it is, uh, which can sound scary sometimes. Like if you really mean it, if you really want to do this, then you can't be pushing yourself this hard and getting drunk every night and never sleeping. You're, it's not going to work. If you really mean it, then you need to do it better. 
after I had gotten into, um, I, I was hit by a drunk driver in like 2014 and it smooshed my arm. I've talked about it before. And I had a contract in Australia. The visa was already ready and everything. Contracts were signed. And I, I was visiting my dad. And my dad's a, a chiropractor who works in soft tissue. And he was treating me as well. And I was telling him about the contract. And I was like, do you think I can do the contract? Because it leaves in like a couple of weeks. And he was like, you probably could. But if you if you want to keep doing this, like it's definitely going to shorten your career. If, and if you mean business and this is really means something to you and you're serious about it, then no, you shouldn't do that contract because you're broken and you need to heal. That's just a mathematical fact. I'm like, damn. I'm talking about my dad a lot in this episode. Hey, daddy, you will literally never hear this, but I love you. Thank you for scaring the shit out of me. Sometimes we need the shit scared out of us. And that's okay. All right, my friends, I'm looking at the time, and I know that I'm late in this episode. Uh, thank you for your patience. If you even noticed, uh, appreciate it. And remember, it's a drop in the bucket. It is a drop in the bucket, and also, we're all going to die. So don't wait around, but also don't freak out about how long something's going to take. It's going to take the same amount of time whether you start now or you start a year from now. And it could take longer if you start a year from now. Thank you so much for being here. Always, always open to your feedback and your suggestions. If you uh, have requests for future episode ideas, you can write to me on Instagram at Rachel Strickland Creative or on Patreon at Rachel Strickland Creative, which is how I fund this work. I so appreciate the time that uh, you've spent with me. Thank you so much. Have a gorgeous day, darlings, and don't go back to sleep.